Florida Panther fans, it is game day. Game one is tonight at FLI Live Arena at 7.30. In this edition of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast, it is a Panther Parkway roundtable discussion based on the series coming up between the Florida Panthers and the Washington Capitals. We're going to be joined by the guys of pantherparkway.com to be chatting about this series all on today's episode of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. Your Locked On Panthers, your daily podcast on the Florida Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to this Tuesday, May 3rd edition of the Locked On Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Thank you for making the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. I'm Armando Velez from pantherparkway.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at monoman 12 Follow the show account on Twitter at LO underscore FLA Panthers. Don't forget to also follow the national show, Locked On NHL, and the Crosscheck NHL show with Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. They'll be covering all the postseason activities around the National Hockey League. So, Cats fans, it is finally a game day for the Florida Panthers, a, a postseason game day, mind you. Game one is tonight, FLA Live Arena, 7.30 puck drop, ESPN 2 uh, on on people who are outside the region for, for Florida Panther fans. Um, so, it is now... Three straight seasons now for the Florida Panthers, if you count the COVID bubble in Toronto, where they are participating in the dance. So we all know the storylines. 26-year playoff drought, President's Trophy for the Florida Panthers, uh, a turnaround from a few years ago. And the Florida Panthers are looking to win their first playoff series since the 1996 season. And in this edition of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast, I'm bringing in two of the guys, two familiar voices uh, of Locked On Panthers, and maybe there'll be a few of them uh, joining along the way or, or, or on this uh, on this edition of Locked On Panthers. It is the Friday, the Wednesday and Friday guest hosts of the show, Nick and Jacob. How are you boys doing tonight? Oh man, I am so excited! I cannot wait! I cannot wait for this series to get going. It's it's been forever since we've been waiting for a series like this. I got to admit, I'm tired. I'm tired of waiting. Uh, everything for the season has uh, led up to this point and uh, can't wait to get this going and uh, prove uh, everybody in the league that uh, we're the real deal and that uh, they're going to go all the way this year. I'm hoping so too. Um, everything, everything that the Florida Panthers have done this season has had quite a bit of national um, media perspectives saying, that they are so bought into the Florida Panthers. A lot of people like them as a story about how fun they are as a team that we who see them every day can be a little bit uh, spoiled with how much, especially how well great they are offensively. I mean, uh, over four goals a game. I mean, probably like the, be- the best offensive season in the last 25 years. Just and Huberto just three points off, um, excuse me, three assists off breaking the record for wingers set by Yarmir Yager in '96. So just so many great things about this Florida Panthers team and what they've been able to do, and everything is looking to be set up for what's hopefully 
a long postseason run for the Panthers. But a few team news for the Florida Panthers before we start with um, discussing about this first round series is that the Florida Panthers have signed seventh round pick uh, Santu Kanunen, um, a two year entry level deal defenseman um, from who played his most recent season in Liga, which is the uh, team that Alexander Barkov owns um, out there in Liga. So congratulations to Sasha Barkov on winning, um, on being part of an ownership group that won the championship in Liga. And congratulations to Santu Kanunen. Hopefully I pronounced that right. But getting to the Florida Panthers, Aaron Ekblad, that's the first topic I want to get to, guys. Um, he's back. He's been a full participant. And... Andrew Burnett hasn't given a 100% confirmation on, on whether he's going to play or not. Guys, he's playing game one. Your thoughts? Start with Jacob. Yeah. Um, when we heard about the injury originally, it was the it was week to week. I think we all kind of knew the the idea was to get him back for game one. Um, it was never guaranteed, but now that he's practiced uh, as a full participant the past few the past few uh, skates with the team, oh man, it, it's hard not to get excited. It's hard not to be thrilled about that. You get that Uyghur Ekblad pair back together. Sharat can take on less responsibility, focus more on the defensive side of things. It's going to be. Um, it might take him a little bit to get the rust off, but man, you're adding a Norris Trophy caliber defenseman back into the lineup on a on a team that's already been on fire um can only imagine what he's going to do for that power play and uh, yeah this is this is big time this is this is equivalent to the the lightning getting back kucherov to start last year's playoffs it's it's that it's that big of an impact and we'll go with nick so the power play has definitely been something that uh has been of concern i i know that a lot of us in panther parkway are not huge fans of the five offensive player power play just because it just didn't seem like it was clicking and on top of that there was a lot of um you know odd man rushes uh you know going the other way and i i just believe it just left a you know salty sentiment there but Having Ekblad there, who is our power play quarterback, I think will pay dividends. And I think we're going to see a lot more mainstream of a power play uh, shots from the point. And hopefully, you know, a, a player who is, you know, that we brought in to, you know, play these type of games, you know, Patrick Hornquist uh, will be able to, you know, get in his office and pot a couple of goals. So um, I think Ekblad makes everybody better around him. And, you know, it's what a perfect time to do that than uh, game one tomorrow. Yeah, and I also think about how where we were this time last year versus where we are now. When Aaron Ekblad originally fractured his leg in Dallas last year in that collision with Asa Lindell near the end boards, there they the diagnosis was that the earliest that Aaron Ekblad could come back at that time was the Eastern Conference Final. The every single it, we were counting the weeks and looking on the calendar, literally like counting. It's like okay. Florida gets past the, the these first two rounds. Aaron Eckblad is back. Now, it it's such a better feeling that it's game one and we don't have to wait all the way for two rounds. So because even without Eckblad, the that series between Tampa was just they 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 challenged them, especially at even strength. And of course, when the Tampa Bay Lightning got on the power play, I mean, that's where you kind of miss Ekblad as well. So the fact that they're getting him right from the start of the postseason, I feel really good about it. 
Yeah, and Armando, we're talking about a, a Panthers team this year that um, the depth in the lineup, uh, especially on defense, it's it's Sherratt, it's Montour, it's Forsling, it's Gudis, it's Haig, it's Carlson who's played well. This is not a team that's relying on Keith Yandel to shoulder the load. It's not relying on Anton Strawman to, to handle top pair duty anymore. Um, the, the depth is there behind Ekblad and now getting Ekblad back on top of it. Um, this, this team... I think if this Panthers team had played last year's Panthers team in a series, they'd probably win that series in five. Um, th this is a team that has Reinhardt, Giroux, and, and the veteran depth is miles ahead of what we had last year. Yeah, and I think about how um, as much as we didn't want to see Keith Yandel bought out, and of course the, the situation called for it, just think about how much of a crutch it would have continued to be if they were continuing to do that streak. And then, oh, you played all 82 games, so we have to start you in the postseason. We have to put you on the power play. And that means you have to allow them to get a friggin' rush to going the other way, which we saw a lot last year. Now, me, and I'm sure you guys feel way more at ease that there's going to be less of those shorthanded opportunities going the other way. I, at least I feel good about that. Yeah, I, I think the defensive units have definitely come together. Uh, I think Ben Sherratt has come in, um, you know, after having a sh couple of shaky uh, introduction games. He has really solidified himself in the unit. Um, and it, it took him a couple of weeks to get used to it. I mean, you know, coming from Montreal, who, you know, finished dead last, um, you know, and then coming over to a juggernaut like the Panthers, it, it's, it's going to take some time to understand, you know, assignments and different uh, players' techniques and everything. But um, I feel much better about this defensive group going into the postseason than I did last season. Um, and it's not just, you know, based on, you know, how many goals we're scoring and everything. It's, you know, have the can the Panthers play that that game where, hey, maybe they're only going to be able to score one or two goals a game and are they going to be able to win those games? Um, I think over the last couple of weeks, as you guys have seen, you know, they've really kind of tampered down on, you know, how, the chances that they could have offensively and, you know, wanted to play more of that defensive minded game, the more of that control game that they're going to need to be successful in the postseason. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and definitely um, it, it, it's a trickle down effect with the lineup for sure. Um, when, when one, one big part of your team is, is back, as well and that's what ekblad is doing being part being back with this team so we talked about a little bit about the power play with the florida panthers being um, um with aaron ekblad being back it's funny how even though it was a five uh five forward unit the florida panthers still found a way towards where their end of season averages on the power play was inside of the top five never thought that we would see that after how horrible they were after december but what a great improvement for this florida panthers team and Speaking of power play and Ekblad in it, my guess is as far as how quickly the power play can click with him back, I think they get a power play goal in game one with him back. I think it's going to take a few periods. Maybe they'll take one, um, they'll get one or two opportunities early on. Maybe have a little bit of a hard time getting through a little bit, get accumulated to each other again um, after after almost like a month, two month and a half, two months um, around there uh, for, for, for Ekblad being there. But I think, I think somewhere in the third period, they'll get one with, with Ekblad being back and it'll just be every, whether it's Ekblad scoring or not. I think everyone's going to go up to him and just say, give him a hug and say, welcome back. What says you guys? 
<laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll take yeah. this one first. Yeah, yeah go for it. Uh, <laughs> I'll do one better for you, uh, Armando. I think the first goal that they score this postseason is going to be on the power play, and it's going to be either assist from Ekblad or it's going to come off his stick. Um, I just think that he has that kind of influence on the team and that kind of effect on everybody. And, you know, I think the Panthers will have that opportunity, if not early in the first period, about midway through the first period, uh, because I think they'll be dominating play, causing uh, the Capitals to take a penalty. And then I think they'll be right for the picking. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think Washington is a team that they've got some guys who can be a little bit undisciplined. Uh, one of them wears number 43. Um, it's only a matter of time before we end up on the power play. And I, I really do think Ekblad's going to score a goal. Um, I think it's going to have a, a really similar effect to opening night when he scored a couple uh, in his return game. Um, yeah, just him, him scoring a goal or two, it's going to, it's going to be a huge lift to the team. And I think, I think he's going to get one. He's going to get on the board and it's going to be a huge morale boost for the rest of the, for the rest of the roster. I never forget me and Nick's reaction to Aaron Eckblad coming back um, on opening night and um, just how it was part of that um, two-goal comeback against Pittsburgh because let's not forget they let four unanswered goals after going up 2 nothing early. And then um, Eckblad was a big part of that comeback before Carter Verhage ended it um, in overtime. But um, one thing I really want to talk about is the art, the street art around South Florida We've seen the one mm -hmm. in Fort Lauderdale, in downtown Fort Lauderdale, that was um, painted around last year. But now it's mm -hmm. starting to trickle down all the way down to Dade County. There was a Vamos Gatos painting in Wynwood. I mean, I know this is three straight years of postseason for the Panthers. Like, again, if you count the COVID bubble, I thought I wanted to flashback a little bit to 2016, where Panthers were back in the playoffs for the first time um, in four years at that point. A few hours before game one, I remember looking at StubHub and seeing how much prices were for game one, like two hours before. And I saw 20 bucks before. So it's like, okay, it's just, a, it's a little while. It's been a little while. So it's going to take a few wins to get this region back fully again. Um, but I really think it's different this time around now with how consistently they've been these last few years. I mean, the first one was just, because of a play-in, but these last two seasons specifically, I think this region is as bought in as it ever has been, seeing it as far as like Twitter and then the times that I've gone down, which I will be able to see it again for sure when 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 I come back. But how, how much do you think this region is uh, bought in to this team? I'll start with Nick on this one. I think it has to do with expectations. Uh, you know, you talked about 2016 where, you know, you saw StubHub tickets for like $20. I think that there was still like a lingering kind of like, oh, well, they made the playoffs, but, you know, are they really going to go far? And, you know, did they win the division? You know, kind of things like that. Like there wasn't a whole lot of expectation that year. Whereas now you start to build on that, you know, you have Bill Zito's, you know, and I'm not, I hate to say this, but you have Bill Zito's blueprint. <laughs> um, and basically, you know, it's, it's a recipe for success right now. And, you know, with that success comes the expectations. And now I think that everybody sees, you know, how dominant this team has been um, for the last two seasons, especially this season, that, 
everybody's buying into it now. Um, you know, you have the street art, as you talked about it. I think Twitter has been ridiculously positive lately. I mean, people I think are being negative just to be, you know, kind of catch themselves, not to be too positive and everything. But, um, you know, if you look at ticket prices now, I think people are trying to sell their tickets to make a profit. Um, you know, you probably couldn't say that five years ago, but um, I think honestly, if Florida can win this first series, 96 is not going to know what hit them. <laughs> what says you, Jacob? I agree. Um, I, I've been down to a few games this year. I've been around the area. Um, I even happened to run into Barkov at the beach uh, before a game recently, and uh, everyone was recognizing him, telling him good luck. I'm not going to – I feel like that's probably, like, his private place that he likes to go before games, so I'm not going to put out there what beach that is. But, um, um, yeah, it's the, the region has bought in. I've seen a lot of the a lot of the interaction on on Twitter. It's been all about Miami Heat and Florida Panthers right now. And it's not a big brother, little brother. It's the region is genuinely uh, invested in both of these teams and both of these playoff runs. I think it's fantastic for South Florida. And um, yeah, it, it just seems like this is a perfect storm. This is the this is the time to to establish themselves as a champion in this region. And once everyone kind of knows once you once you win a championship in South Florida, it, the the region never really forgets and they just expect that as the new standard or or uh, as, as we heat people say the culture um, <laughs> yes even even the Miami Dolphins everyone you, you go you can go anywhere in South Florida and everyone will always talk about the undefeated season and Dan Marino and, and those era and that era it's once once you start to win the this area just expects you to win and that becomes the standard so I, I'm really looking forward to the Panthers finally breaking through into that into that um, tier of, of a South Florida champion. Mm. And and the talk is getting greater and greater and greater. Um, when I went back, when I went down shortly after Claude Drew was acquired, the very first billboard that I saw entering Broward County off I-95 was welcome to South Florida Claude Drew. And that just brought a little bit of emotion to, to me when um when reading that because it's like man it it felt real and it felt it felt it's like pinch me it's like don't pinch me uh when when seeing that it's like wow um the and and this is a team that's been marketed so much better from from the last few years so credit to ownership on that one as well but we're gonna take a we're gonna take a break and then we're gonna discuss more on this first round matchup uh between the Florida Panthers and the Washington Capitals all ahead on this roundtable edition of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast. But first, we're going to tell you all about Athletic Greens. And what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotic, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All the things. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with, with the convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. So to, to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you one free year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. That is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate 
nutritional insurance. Back on this roundtable edition of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast, I'm Armando Velez. I got my Wednesday and Friday uh, guest hosts of on the show on this roundtable edition of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast. Um, and gentlemen, uh, Andrew Burnett did speak to the media today. He said something that we all kind of expected. Sergey Bobrovsky is the starter for game one against the Washington Capitals. Um, and this is a quote specifically that Andrew Burnett said, Bob is our guy. Something that um, that um, David Dwork has, 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 and I have talked about together is that the three, the revolving door around three goalies last season had a lot to do with um, ultimately losing to the Tampa Bay Lightning because, um, of course, the team getting accumulated to the guy who's back there, how to play to their strengths, um, how to communicate to when the puck is going in one way or the other. Um, so that had a lot, of course, that had a lot to do with why the Florida Panthers um, lost and, of course, not staying out of the penalty box, of course. So I wrote an article on pantherparkway.com talking about how how short is Bobrovsky's leash. And I'm going to give my answer first um, is I think if it's a high scoring game and the Panthers still win, he's starting the next one. If it's um, blowing a blowing a lead and then it tied, it tied, we might see him get pulled. But if they but if it's something that they don't trail and it's still high scoring or they don't trail by much or blow a lead, I think his I think his leash is a lot longer than it was last season. Um, I'm going to start this one with Jacob. How short is Sergei Bobrovsky's leash in these playoffs? Yeah, um, I'm going to answer that question in just a second. I'm just going to give you guys some info in case you guys are, in case this is important to you. Uh, Toronto's just taken a 3-0 lead over Tampa uh, with the power play goal and then a shorthanded goal. Um, something to keep an eye on, yeah. Uh, Matthews on a 5-1-3 and then Camp shorthanded, so 3-0. Um, anyway, uh, back to the original topic um, with Bob. I think his I, I think his leash is considerably longer than last year's. Um, just because last season we had three goalies that that we all felt confident in with Drieger and and Knight. Um, this year Knight hasn't been quite as reliable as last season, so I feel like it would take like a a, a bigger a bigger sample size of of negativity to to turn it to Spencer Knight. But I'd say if it were a case where we happened to go down two games to zero or something like that, and goaltending is a big part of it. You could see Spencer start game three. Um, obviously, that's a worst case scenario, and I hope to God that doesn't happen. But um, I think I think there's a lot more confidence in Bob this year than than the past two seasons, uh, especially last year. And I have another update for you guys. The Carolina Hurricanes have scored two goals in two minutes, so they are now up 2 nothing on the Boston Bruins. So just another uh, series to look out for. Um, I'm in total agreement with um, with both you guys that his leash is definitely longer. I think his play this season has uh, dictated that. Um, he's definitely had some games where it's like, come on, another Bob goal given up or another goal that he's given up that he should have saved. But I think now coming in, I don't feel like he has the pressure that he's had. Um, I think Knight is pushing him, but I don't think to the point where he's going to lose his job or that you know the coaching staff was always going to go away from him. 
I think Spencer got enough games under his belt to kind of get into a groove and really start feeling himself, but never enough to kind of like take the reins away from Bob. Um, you know, as Burnett said, Bob is our guy. I do think that, you know, if Florida is to get past the first round, Bob is going to have to, you know, play out, you know, out of his mind. And I do think that he will rise to that occasion like he did a couple of years ago against Tampa Bay. Can and I ask you person. both a question on that? Um, I, I got oh. a question for both of you guys, actually. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. how, how much of how much of Bruno's comments on Bob, with the Bob is our guy, those kind of things, how much of that do you think is, is Bruno trying to instill that confidence in Bob that your leash is not short. We believe in you. You, you're, you're our ace. How, how much of, yeah. I, I say a lot because I think about what you're saying, what teams say out in the public versus what they say behind closed doors. That is my right. view of that. And if Andrew Burnett's walking to the podium with, and think about how fast he would answer a question too versus hesitating. There was no hesitation, Andrew Burnett, when talking about Bob and saying that he's our guy and knowing that Bob, and somebody's probably going to inform Bob too that that's what he said too, even if he's not in the press conference. I mean, players hear that all the time. So I'm sure if you were to ask Bob as well, he would say, oh, I have confidence in myself. I know that my um coach has confidence in me too but without saying it out loud he's probably he's probably thinking thanks coach um i i I won't let you down and i'm gonna and i'm gonna go out there and and a little extra boost um to uh to to play the best that he that he hopefully has has played i'm going back to 2019 what's his new nick so I don't think Bob really follows anything anymore on social media or anything out in the news. Um, and I think it is for the betterment of his game and his uh, mental status. Um, so I honestly think that they probably had a talk at the end of the season, or at least, you know, probably in between the end of the season and, you know, the start of the playoffs tomorrow that, Hey, Bob, this is your, this is your show. Uh, let's see what you can do. This is exactly why we brought you here. This is why you get paid the big bucks. And, you know, let, let's do what we can, um, you know, is there, you know, what can we do to help you and ensure that, you know, you are at your best. And, and on top of that, you know, how, how can we bring, um, you know, how can we bring the best out of you? So I think that, you know, Bruno probably having that speech with him and everything probably alleviates a lot of maybe the stress or maybe the thinking that, oh, well, you know, if I don't have a good game, is not going to start the next game. I think Florida has to learn that they have to stick with one goalie and, you know, if the if Bob doesn't pan out, then it's going to have to be night the rest of the way. Yeah, and I also think about this. You know, with covering this team, people hear they hear what I don't know if any of them listen to this show specifically, but they hear what people have to say about them. Fans hear it, local media hear it. But if you're a player in that locker room, all you got, and, and which is something that I respect too, is going up to each individual player. If they hear something, if they hear criticisms about them as well, they got they got to consistently tell them to block the noise. Easier said than done, but we Bob's probably heard it so many times about the contract, the first two years in Florida. And now, and now that, Nick, you hit it right on the head when you said 
deleting all of his media and not following anything to the teams and to the players. That's all noise. That's all between here in all, mm-hmm. in all of this. Yeah, that's, that's exactly why I brought it up is, you know, he, you have to wonder how much, you know, he was on social media after games or during games or even on his off days, you know, kind of like replaying what happened the night before. And, you know, you can just see the difference between him, you know, the previous season or the previous two seasons to this season. He seems more aware of what's going on in games. I mean, he, he has his gaffes, but he seems to be more in tune with the game and, you know, he's more focused on what needs to be done. Jacob, any, any other thoughts on Bob? No, I think I think you guys really, really like Nick said, hit the nail on the head. I think his his lack of social media focus has been a big part of how he's played this season, especially his hot start. Um, I, I think he's I think he's just hit, and also um, we also have to credit his his daughter as well. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Dad Bob, uh, Dad <laughs> Dad Bob is a real thing. Um, I, I think he's I think he's hit a, another level of maturity in his game and. And all of that is mental. And when you have those that mental breakthrough as a goalie, it can it can literally extend your career because being a goalie, so much of that is is just the mental aspect of it. So I think he's more than ready to go for this playoff series. And uh, I think he's also just has more confidence in the defense in front of him now. Uh, we don't have the liabilities. We've made addition by subtraction, getting rid of some of those defensive holes. And um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think he feels better about the defense in front of him. He's getting the goal support, so he's in a good place. Yeah, and goalie seasons are hard to predict whether it's going to be good or bad. The fact that he's playing at this level right now, at least in the regular season, this is the time to do it. While Bob is having this much of a better season than the previous two years, see what you can do with him. See, see, Get him out there. See, show him that he's worth that $10 million. And then, of course, if they win, nobody will ever talk about the $10 million cap it ever again because you got the job done. But right. one more question. Um, before we um, transition over to predictions and and all of the playoff series, we're going to talk about all of them. Um, so lines at practice kind of look like this. After Jonathan Huberto and um, and Carter Verhage and Mason Marchment had maintenance days uh, yesterday, the lines look like this. Verhage, Barkoff, Duclair and, on the first line. Huberto, Bennett, Giroux on the second line. The, the amazing third line of and, and um, Anton Lundell, of course, Nick's favorite, um, Sam Reinhardt, mm-hmm. and uh, Mason Marchment. Uh, fourth line is Etulusterinen, Ryan Lomberg, and Patrick Hornquist. Defensive pairings are Uyghur, Ekblad, uh, Forsling Gudis, and Sherat Montour. From This is from Monday's practice based on uh, the people who were there at the Panthers ice den today. Encouraging sign with uh, Carter Verhage and uh, Jonathan Huberto uh, being back, even though they were spotted on... Uh, Instagram uh riding some type of motorcycle around town so that so they glad they had a good day off honestly um these players work hard so I I can't give them cra- I, I can't give them crap for that it's not all hockey all the time even though they are in the middle of a Stanley Cup chase but I I want to ask you guys um I'm liking that I'm liking that Duclair is on the first line with Sasha Barkov and Drew is on the second line based on the speed factors because Barkov and Verhage can skate with um, Duke, and especially if Barkov is a trailer um, going the other way. And I think that's why, even though we've seen bits and pieces of Barkov with Giroux and even in desperate situations, Huberdeau, um, 
I like that it's starting off as Barkoff, Duclair, and Verhey on that top line. Or or do you guys disagree with me that it's uh that it should be Giroux on the first line? Um uh let's go with Nick first on this one. No, um I think Duclair uh adds to the first line dimension. So you have your two way forward and Barkoff, that's always gonna be responsible, but then you also have your gritty uh winger in Verhey who never lets a play die and always does his best to win a board battle. Um, I think that, you know, that line is well balanced. And then you allow Giroud to go to the second line to kind of help balance them out because you have a playmaker in Uberto who's going to pass to everybody and, you know, will shoot when he feels like he needs to. And then you have Bennett who is always, you know, trying to make something happen. So you, you kind of need to balance that line out as well. Uh, third line is perfect. I mean, we don't need to change anything there. Uh, fourth line, I'm kind of, I wonder if that's just kind of for practice, but kind of sad not to see Noel Chari there, uh, to be honest with you. I thought he looked fantastic to end the season as far as, you know, him providing energy, hitting and skating. Um, but I also understand that um, Loster Ryan has done a very good job all season. Um, I haven't seen really any weaknesses in his game outside of possibly scoring. But he's been responsible two-way uh, as a two-way forward. And then you have Patrick Hornquist, who this is why you brought him in the trade for Mike Matheson, uh, other than, you know, addition by subtraction in that regard. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, I think I think as far as the lines go, that top line has me very excited. Um, they have more speed than anyone on that Capitals roster can can really compete with. Um, I think the second line is is great. I think that's going to get Sam Bennett's game going a little bit. Um, he's he's slumped a little bit lately, but I think that's going to get his game back on track. He's got two elite passers with him, and he's a finisher. I think the third line is what really separates us from Washington in this series and probably any any team you run up against throughout the playoffs. I think the third line really sets us apart. Um, there, I, there's not a third line in the league that has a player the caliber of Sam Reinhardt. Um, that third line, I think, is going to make all the difference. And then the fourth line, I actually like going with that fourth line. Um, I like with uh, Lusterainen with with Lomberg and and Hornquist to start. That line was fantastic for the majority of the year until some injuries broke them apart. Um, I do think anyone in the of all the guys in the in the lineup, assuming everyone stays healthy, the one guy who's like most susceptible to a healthy scratch, I think, would be Lusterainen. Um, if this series early on looks like it, we need some penalty kill help or it looks like it, there's going to be an element of physicality that he might not be physically developed for. Uh, I could easily see Achari taking that spot or face-offs become a problem. Um, so we have that flexibility. Um, but as it goes starting out, I think, I think we've got the right group. And man, we are very, very fortunate to be entering the playoffs with health on our side because not every team has that luxury. Mm -hmm. Yeah, health has been... You think about post um, post winter break, um, where how how this team came firing, post All Star Olympic break, three straight road wins. When this team has been very was very up and down on the road in the first three four months of the season, and um, yeah, we could see so much interchanging with. I, I said I don't think Joe Thornton's gonna start the series, but he's going to get in there somewhere in the series. Um, and then Lusterainen could either be shifted to the wing because he can play a little bit of wing along with Achari too, along with playing center. So flexibility is going to, is really what's going to help Florida um, really juggle some of those, especially on the fourth line. But I mean, in the playoffs, it's more like the top line minute, nine minutes are more of the emphasis, one, the ones that are emphasized. So 
I don't know how much Andrew Burnett is going to just really look in that direction as far as like if there's major issues in, in their games. But of course, you never know. And they and th- these fourth line players can make possibly play a shift on the top nine as well. So there could be a little spot um, plays as well for for this team. Um, defensive pairings. Um, I mean, we are Ekblad. We, we love seeing that combo combo back. Uh, Forsling Gudis, even though I was thinking it was going to be um, uh, Sherat Gudis um, and Forsling Montour. Um, but um, at, at times we've seen, we've seen as much as um, Radko Gudis, he's valuable when it comes to hits. Sometimes we see him overcommit on a hit going the other way. And then oh, there's yeah. a breakaway mm-hmm. the other way. How, I mean, I'm I'm hoping with um, but but I also think about Forsling's speed combined with Gudis as well. I think that and and I think that's why I think I rather see Forsling with Brandon Montour. Um, do you, um, what what says you guys? We'll start with uh, Jacob. Yeah, so I think naturally you have to go back to Ekblad Weger, um, especially getting Ekblad back in the lineup. You don't want him playing with a new partner right away. Um, you put him with the guy he's familiar with. Uh, Forsling Gudis, they've been serviceable. I don't know if that's what we're going to see stick. Um, my my NHL 22 dreams have me <laughs> with Sherat Gudis and just wreaking havoc as a as a dominant um, defense only defense kind of thing, and and they're just crushing people out there. I would love to see that. That might work better <laughs> in video. <laughs> that might work better in video games. Um, I know I know that pairing is great for me in NHL 22. Um, and uh, Forsling Montour, just so much offensive ability and speed if that does materialize. But uh, Sherratt and Montour played really well together down the stretch. So I think that's a great pairing. Uh, I was clamoring for that to happen. Uh, when originally Sherratt started with Uyghur, I was begging for them to put him with Montour. I feel like they complement each other really well. So, so yeah, I think these are the pairs you have to start with. And if there are adjustments to be made, you, you make them later on as we go. But this is the group I would start with. And um uh, I'm going to close this with uh, just letting you guys know Mitch Marner just tallied. It is 4-0 Toronto right now. Wow, Mitch Marner broke his streak? His uh, drought, did. excuse me? He did, yep. Since game one of 2019 against the Boston Bruins, Mitch four Marner zero. scored in the playoffs. And Vasilevsky's given up four on less than 20 shots. So. Oh, congrats to Mitch I, Marner. I'm, I'm sure. going to tell you guys right now, that 4-0 score does not scare me. Mm-mm. Watch. Me what? Watch what's going to happen in the third period. <laughs> it's a tale as old as time. Uh, no, they, they, don't, they don't choke until game seven, Nick. Or until after 3-1. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah but, so. you know, we, we, we did come back after, what, 5-1? And they're up 4-0. Like yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, back, back to the defensive pairing. Sorry, I kind of just wanted to get that in there. Um, I'm, perfectly okay, I'm perfectly okay with getting Ekblad back with Uyghur, as Jake said, that, you know, you want him playing with somebody he's familiar with to kind of get him back in the groove and uh, back into the playing style. So, absolutely no issues there. Uh, second pairing, I was actually hoping for a Sherratt and uh, Forsling pairing. Um, I think that would be a dynamite pairing just because Chirac can then play his shutdown uh, play, type of play that he was brought in to do, and he can bruise people, whereas Forsling could be that, def- um, you know, that speedster defenseman, offensive type defenseman. And then, again, on third pairing, you have Gudis and Montour, who, again, you have that defensive defenseman who wants to hit everybody, yet you have a guy who's fast enough on the defense to be able to cover uh, for um, – you know, for him and also pinching on the offensive side that we've seen Montour do. So um, 
you know, we'll see what happens during the series. Um, one thing I did actually want to add uh, in conjunction with the forward lines and everything is let's see how long it takes for Andrew Burnett to go back to Barkoff and Huberto on the same line. It'll be definitely telling if he's going to go to that early or if that's going to be something that's going to be like, hey, you know what? We're in control of this game. We really don't need to uh, put the two together. Oh, it just depends how late uh, if they come out to an early – if it's an early deficit – Oh, expect it. My, 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 my question is not so much a deficit, but if we get into a game where it's scoreless for a long time, does, does Brunette panic and, and make that change? Do you think he, do you think he hits the panic button a little bit in a, in a low scoring game where we're, the offense just isn't coming at zero, zero in the third period. You think that's even, even second period, like, halfway through a game if we haven't scored a goal do you think brunette gets shaky and decides to 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 make a super line i like to change the, but here's the thing i like to change the terminology of what you just said though i don't want to call it desperate if it's zero zero especially in game one like i don't want to right. call it a desperate move but just a spark move instead because if it's nothing nothing and you have that even if you give up one there's still a chance that with I mean, Jesus, like 58 of their, in their 58 wins, 29 of them have been comeback wins. Right. I'm not worried. So I will say this, if, if that is the case and Burnett does go back to Barkoff and Oberto, who does he drop? Does he drop Duclair to the second line or does he drop for Hagee? I think he dropped for Duclair. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I think he dropped Duke because of Duke's chemistry with Bennett. Um, I think I think Verhage, um also plays that that forechecking style that you need on that top line, whether mm-hmm. Hoover does on a wing or not. I think Duclair gets dropped down to to play with Bennett. I say Verhage because I don't know how how um, I've seen Verhage on the right side. Um, it's is unnatural side. That's the thing versus uh, Duke versus Duclair. He's always on the right side, so that's why I say Verhage. So that, that, that's, that's pretty much my answer for that. But we're going to, uh, in this, this next one is going to be probably the best part of the roundtable discussion. Next segment, we're going to talk about our predictions for every single series in the, in the first round. And we might have some disagreements. We might have some debates, but this is going to be fun. But first, we're going to tell you all about BetOnline. And BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats, sports, and info. Find all the latest sports development, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball and Stanley Cup playoffs, and to the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Third and final segment on this roundtable edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. I'm Armando Velez. I got my fellow guest hosts on Wednesdays and Fridays, Nick Fairbanks and Jacob Winans here. Uh, guys, um, I know we have games already in play already and there's leads, but I have I still have I still have uh, stuff written down from pre-recording and pre-puck drop that aren't going to change. Uh, I'm not going to overreact just to a few, um, a few periods based on the first few games, even though they're looking to be blowouts at this point in time. Um, 
Let's start with one that might be the probably the easiest to predict. Let's start with Colorado, Nashville. Um, Storyline, UC Soros is not playing. Um, it looks like he might miss the first two games. Um, it, it looks like, but um, I, David Rich, I know he got a win against the Panthers in late February, but um, I, I I don't know if he's he can he, I don't know if he can get more than one win out of the Nashville Predators, Colorado, even though they finished the regular season a little slow. Um, I think with Landis Landis coming back, um, I think that the Colorado Avalanche defeat the Nashville Predators in five games. We'll start with Nick on this one. Uh, 100% agree. That's exactly what I have in five games. I think that once Soros comes back, I think the Predators steal a game. Uh, and if that's not the case, then I think uh, Riddich will probably stave off uh, an elimination game where they're down 3 nothing in the series. Yeah, for me, I've got Colorado in five. Um, now, I'm not going to say it's going to be a, a blowout series because Nashville, they, they're a team that has some playoff experience. They know how to hang around. Um, Plus, Nashville is just not an easy building to play in come playoff time. So I'm going to give Nashville a game. Um, originally, UC Saros' injury was described as a four to six weeks thing. So the fact that he could play game three or game four seems odd to me. Um, if he does, he's definitely not at 100 percent. So um, I, I don't think they I don't think they last very long in this series, but I'm going to give them at least one game uh, on the off chance that Saros does come back. And I'm just going to. Uh, go with the the talent of Philip Forsberg and a couple of those other guys. They have enough talent on that team to steal a game. Mm. And I discovered this today um, based on um, based on something I was reading today. Um, the two defensemen who are up for the Norse Trophy in this one, Roman Yossi and Kael McCarr, um, the point production that they're having, there hasn't been a point production like that for defensemen since the 80s. When the uh-huh. New York Islanders faced the Edmonton Oilers, Paul Coffey, and you want to guess who the other defenseman was on the Islanders? Denny Potvin. Correct. Yep. Hey. <laughs> so yeah, the Florida Panther fans, we all love Denny Potvin. Um, hope he's doing well in retirement. Um, but this one is the this one is the hardest series to predict, um, in my opinion. This next one. Minnesota St. Louis. Um that goalie tandem out in Minnesota is great. Um Mark Andre Fleury being traded there has brought has kicked in a new gear for T- Cam Talbot. And but they're not going with him in game 1. They're going with the three-time Stanley Cup champion, uh just Vesna Trophy winner from last year. Mark Andre Fleury is starting for the Minnesota Wild and Billy Huso is starting for um the St. Louis Blues. I mean a lot of Jordan Bennington has uh, fallen off a cliff ever since he won that Stanley Cup um, in 2019, uh, a, just a little bit. But St. Louis has swept, though, Minnesota this regular season. But I'm going to say that the Wild find a way to win this one in seven games. And they will. And how important that um, that home ice advantage is for the Wild. Um, that's a great environment to play in um, out there, out there in the state of hockey. We're going to start with Jacob. What says you about this series? I've got Minnesota in six in this one. Um, yeah, I'm giving I'm giving the Wild this one in six. Flower is another another animal in playoff time. Um, I, I think 
I think they get this one done. I think St. Louis is kind of old. They don't have the veterans uh, the, or the, the youth on their side to complement their veterans. Um, they're a good team. They're going to grind. But I think, I think Minnesota is just too good, too talented. Uh, and they have the advantage between the pipes. So I give them this one in six. Uh, I also have Minnesota in six, uh, and basically it comes down to goaltending and Kirill the Thrill. I honestly think that this is going to be his coming out party outside of him scoring over 100 points for Minnesota. But I just like the youth movement that Bill Guerin's been able to put together up there in Minnesota, and I think that, you know, just because they have a lack of, lack of experience in the playoffs, I think, you know, as Jacob said, that um, St. Louis just has, you know, probably some older guys right now that might not be able to, you know, stay with, stay with the grind and everything like that. So um, I'm going to stay with Minnesota six games and Krill the Thrill is going to be the MVP of that series. Yeah. And Kirill Kaprizov, one of eight 100 point uh, scores in the NHL um, this year. So one, one of eight. Um, and this next one, the Calgary flames and the Dallas stars. Um, Jacob Markstrom, former Florida Panther prospect, Jacob Markstrom, who's had a big workload, probably, probably one of the biggest workloads in all of the NHL. Um, Daryl Sutter's that old school coach that likes to do that. Um, we even saw it with uh, in LA when, when he was the coach of the LA Kings when they went to the Stanley Cup. And um, so with that line of Kachuk and Johnny Gaudreau, um, there's no Sean Monahan. Um, um, he was playing in the bottom six, so no Sean Monahan for the rest of the season. Um, Dallas, really, they're, a lot of their um, scoring comes from their very top line of Hints, Robertson, and Pavelski. I have Calgary in five, and maybe, maybe even a sweep. But I think that um, top, dominant top line of um, of the of the three in Dallas, I, I think they can steal one. Um, we'll start with Nick on this one. I have Calgary in four, and it's because I think Calgary's built to go the distance um, this postseason. I think they have the right coach. I think they have the right personnel, and I think they have the right goaltender. I don't think Dallas really can really match them on any level. I think that their defense is offensive-minded, and they're going to get exposed uh, because they're not going to be able to play the down-and-dirty game. Um, plus, you know – Jacob Markstrom was nicknamed the alien when he was down here. And I think he's showing it. Um, and I think he's going to show why he's probably going to be the Vesna winner this year. Uh, well, maybe not Vesna winner because Shesterkin's probably got that, but you know, he'll be uh, considered in the kind uh, conversation, but I have Calgary in four. I'm going to, I'm going to surprise you both here a little bit. I'm going to say Calgary in seven. I still think Calgary comes out with it. But I think Dallas is going to actually put up a fight in this series. A um, couple of reasons being they've been playing playoff hockey for the last month. Um, they're used to the pressure. Uh, they, they've been Good in the point. playoffs for a month. They, they've been battling with Vegas for that last playoff spot. So they're, they're used to this pressure. I think Ottinger is a good goalie. Um, I think he can, he can get the job done in the playoffs. Um, I do have some questions about Johnny Goudreau come playoff hockey time. Um, he hasn't always performed well in the playoffs and his small stature, his playing style don't really mesh well with, with the playoff style. So I have some questions about him and his game translating to this time of year. Um, obviously Dallas is a one line team uh, that Jason Robertson, Pavelski and Hintz line has been fantastic. Um, 
But I think come playoff time, Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn, who had really, really, really bad seasons, I think they'll wake up a little bit now that this is a playoff. Um, so I'm going to give Dallas, I think they're going to put up a strong fight and they're eventually going to be outmatched in game seven. But this is a team that knows how to play a playoff hockey. And um, yeah, I think they're going to, I think they're going to give Calgary all that they can handle in this one. And, and they've got the veteran leadership to do so. Mm-hmm. And then there's still the questions of John Klimberg, what's going to happen for him this off season. And Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan have heard the noise about their contracts too, about how it's holding that that team down possibly. And they want they definitely want to go off on a better note. Um, so I can see why um you would you would uh take it all the way to seven. Okay, this next one. I was talking about this pre-recording, but I didn't I didn't say my what my pick was. Um this one I was thinking about going on with an upset with um with with the LA Kings matchup versus the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Mike Smith and Jonathan Quick playing in the playoffs for the first time. Um, for, um, they played 10 years ago when Mike Smith was on the Arizona Coyotes when they made it to the Western Conference Final. Um, two older goalies. Jonathan Quick has had a resurging season. They have two great defensive forwards of Philip Deneau and Anze Kopitar, but they're missing Drew Doughty. Apparently, even if they the LA Kings make it all the way to the Stanley Cup final, Drew Doughty won't play. So that's a big, big loss for the for the Los Angeles Kings. I if Drew Doughty was there, I'd probably say I'd probably pick the LA Kings, but I think that's gonna hold hold them back from um getting over the hump. But they're still gonna give McDavid and Drysidel a hard time as they're such a great defensive team and a great and and great penalty killing team. And of course, credit to Jonathan quick, but I'm going to go Edmonton in six with this one. Um, of course, McDavid dry settle. Um, like when, when those two are on, they're on and uh, it's time for Edmonton also to make a little bit of a run in the playoffs as well. Um, we'll start with Jacob on this one. So this is, um, yeah, this, this one is, is an interesting one. Um, I'm going to actually pull an upset here. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Kings pull this one off in six. Um, McDavid and Dreisaitl have underachieved in the playoffs time and time again. I think this is going to be another case where that happens. Um, LA is coached by the former coach of the Oilers. He's got the answers. Um, if there is such an answer as stopping McDavid, he, he's the closest one to have it, I would think, because he knows their game. Um, but I think what, what separates this is defense and goaltending. So I take Jonathan Quick over both goaltenders in Edmonton. I think their goaltending issues are going to get exposed. Um, I think LA has experience stopping Evander Kane, who's now uh, an integral part of that top line. Um, given his time in San Jose, LA has seen him. They know how to deal with him. Um, but the, the, big, the big thing for me, defense, the defensive centers that LA is able to, to deploy here. Um, they can match Kopitar with one of McDavid or Dreisaitl, and they can match Deneau with the other one. Um, that's huge come playoff time. I think I think LA is going to be able to limit them, and if you take McDavid and Dreisaitl and, and even limit them slightly, Edmonton just does not have the depth needed. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm giving this one to the Kings in six uh, in, in an upset. Jake, you took all my talking points, so I'm going to make it short and sweet. So, yes, I have L.A. winning in six as well, and it's due to the fact that I think uh, the Kings are deeper um, at uh, a forward level um, and also defensively, but also in goaltending. 
I think that, you know, quick is going to be the huge difference. And I think Mike Smith is going to look like the Mike Smith of old where uh, unfortunately he's going to come unglued and, you know, he might throw a stick at somebody and it's, you know, that that's going to be his game. But um, I, I think, you know, with your point that Kopitar or uh, Dano is going to be deployed on either uh, McDavid or Dreisaitl, can you, can you name one player on Edmonton that could do that to, you know, those two players on LA? I, I don't think you can. Um, I also think that their defense is really suspect. I mean, I like Darnell Nurse and everything, but everybody else on that blue line, uh, I, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Darnell Nurse, from what I remember, he's a game-time decision for their the Kings-Oilers game one tonight, uh, Monday night as we're recording. So he's a game-time decision. So we don't even know if Darnell Nurse is going to uh, suit up. So they, they his probably workload is, his workload is outrageous as well. They they yeah. put so much on his shoulders. There's no way. There's just no way he can carry all that himself. Mm. Well, they got to they got to justify that nine million dollar contract they gave him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like Seth justify Jones. Getting, ju- justify getting rid of Ethan Bear for Duncan Keith. Try that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh. Oh, that bad. Um, but all right. We know the score of what's going on in um, Boston, Carolina right now as we're recording this. Uh, right now, it is 3-1 Hurricanes. Um, and Biden from Trocheck. Oof. Yep. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I think I'm pulling I, – I, I think the even though Freddie Anderson's hurt for the, uh, for the Hurricanes, I think the defense is so great around the goalie as well. Um, that they can at least get one round in. Uh, so I th- I think that I think that the Carolina Hurricanes win this one in six games uh, over the over the Boston Bruins. Um, there's still that question about what's going to happen with Patrice Bergeron in the off season. Um, they're probably going to trade um, Jake DeBrusque um, this off season. They gave him a contract extension to at least give him some term and security. But what's going to happen? I mean, I mean, the the goaltending of Linus Allmark and Jeremy Swayman have zero playoff games. So I'm going to go with Carolina in six. What what says you, Jacob? Oh man, this is a tough one to predict. Um, Carolina looks good right now. Um, they're deep, even even in goaltending. Auntie Ranta is not a bad goalie. There were a couple of years ago, he was putting up some of the best numbers in the league. He just dealt with a lot of injuries. So I don't think they necessarily have bad goaltending, even without Freddie Anderson. Um, what I don't see, I don't see any possible way this series ends before seven games. I think Boston mm-hmm. is just too talented, too sound defensively, and too experienced to, to lose this any, any less than seven games. Um, they've also knocked Carolina out of the playoffs two times in the past three, in the past three playoffs. So they they they're not intimidated by the Hurricanes, regardless of what the regular season looks like in the the head to head. So I think this goes all the way to seven games. I'm going to give Carolina the slight edge and I'm going to do you one better here. I'm going to say Carolina wins this in overtime of game seven. Uh, I think it's going to be that close. It's going to come all the way down to the final goal. And um, yeah, I think Carolina is going to get it done, but I don't see any way uh, Boston goes down without putting up a, a hell of a fight because this is likely their last chance with this core. Um, th- there's no way they can keep this together uh, beyond this year. So I'm, I'm saying Carolina and seven on an overtime winner. 
I have uh, Boston in seven, and it's due to the fact that every time that you want to count this team out, or you think they're done, or that this core is old, oh, and that they play. should be on the uh, and they should be on the downswing, here they are. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a couple of weeks ago, or at least last month, that we were all talking like, "Oh, Boston's going to pass Toronto. It's going to. It's no problem." They didn't quite catch them, but they never went away. Um, they were all, unfortunately, another team that I don't think a lot of people picked in the Atlantic to finish, you know, as high as they did. Um, you know, I know that we, with our round table thought Boston was going to finish in the top three or four, which, you know, thankfully, um, I, did they, or did they, um, they're the wild finish card. A war? Okay. Yeah. They're wild card. So they still made it and they're still a dominant team. I just, I think that their maturity and how long that they've been together, I think that will prevail over the hurricanes in seven games. Man, going with the upset here, man. Two All right. All right, let's actually. I have this written down first before this other one, but I'm actually going to flip it around with what I have on my notes. I'm going to go with um, New York Rangers versus Pittsburgh Penguins. Jari has a um, Tristan Jari has a fractured foot. We don't know what's going to go on with Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang as they're both free agents. Sidney Crosby has three more years on his contract after this season, so. Um, but I just. I just also there's many reasons to pick Pittsburgh because of their penalty killing as well of of how well they are, and New York relies on the power play um, a lot, but they also rely on their goaltending. So I mean, if you can get those two, I need, I know I know there's less penalties in the playoffs, but I just love what Igor Shesterkin is doing. So I'm gonna go with the New York Rangers in six games um, in, in this one because Igor Shesterkin. He's going to continue that into the playoffs, I believe. We'll go with Nick first. So I'm going to flip-flop on my original uh, pick. And I am going to go with Pittsburgh in six. Um, mainly due to the fact that I think the Rangers um, have had a really good season and that they were carried by a couple of people. You know, you have uh, Artemi Panarin, Chris Kreider, who uh, finally crossed the 50 goal mark. Uh, so congratulations to him. Uh, and then you got Frankie Vitrano, you know, Florida native uh, <laughs> that, you know, they they really put that team together and, you know, hats off to Gerard Gallant for, you know, again, once again, going into another team on his first season and basically taking them to the playoffs. So, um but I can't argue with the depth of the Penguins, and you cannot argue against the hardware that they've gotten uh, in the past. So um, regardless of who's in goal for them, uh, whether that's DeSmith or Jari, um, I still think Pittsburgh gets it done in six. Yeah, um, I'm actually sticking with my original pick that we talked about um, before recording. I'm going to go with the upset here, and I'm going to say Pittsburgh in five. I think this is going to be a big Whoa. upset. Uh, I think this is going to be a big upset, yeah. Um, New York is very power play dependent and Pittsburgh takes the second fewest penalties in the league and has the highest uh, penalty kill percentage. They've got a, just a nasty penalty kill. They, they can deploy almost any kind of grouping you want out there. You want shot blockers, you want size, you want bruisers, you want speed guys. They have all of that to, that they can use on their penalty kill. They've got Sidney Crosby who wins faceoffs. They've got um, I mean, Brian Boyle has been a key penalty killer. He's he's a big body come playoff time. They, they're just so deep Take in, Gensel. in special teams. Gensel as well. He's another one. I think I think they're going to eliminate the the power play of New York. Um, 
And I think New York is also very unproven in their top six outside of Panarin and uh, Panarin, Zabinajad, and Kreider. I think relying on guys like Andrew Kopp come playoff time to be a big offensive impact. I think relying on Frank Vetrano, as much as I love him, he, he has not shown up in his playoff appearances with the Panthers. So um, I, I think I think Pittsburgh has the pedigree. They've got the experience. And, and I think they have the they're just the, the worst possible matchup for the style that the Rangers play. So I think they're going to overwhelm Shesterkin. And it's hard to bet against Sidney Crosby. It just really is. It, mm-hmm. He's Crosby. I love him or hate him. He, this is his time. Yeah. And you never know when it, his time might be up. And he continues to prove it and prove it again. Six, 16 straight playoff appearances uh, for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Longest active streak in the NHL. Um, yep. Uh, lo- a little bit of way to go to uh, match what the Detroit Red Wings uh, did. Um, for for mm-hmm. 22 years it was, I, I believe. Like, it's like 25, 26. Oh my god, that's a yeah. lot. <laughs> Still a long yeah. way to go, though. Um, Tampa Bay, Toronto. Oh, I know Toronto's right now winning four nothing. Mitch Marner, I have a, 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 according to Jake, has broken his drought for scoring in a playoff game. First one since game one against Boston in 2019, but. I know they're up 4-0, but I'm still I'm I'm being consistent. I still don't trust the Maple Leafs. Um and I think Tampa Bay is going to win this in six games. Um they'll find a way to steal maybe game two. The game it might be one bad game. We might even see a comeback before this is all said and done for game one. <laughs> but I think I think uh I think Tampa Bay is winning this in six because Andre Vasileski. What's, uh, we'll go with Nick. So I think you hit it on the head and I'm going to add an extra caveat. Um, there's two people on Twitter that I kind of follow and I, it's kind of like more of a hate follow. Um, it's Dom from the athletic and, uh, Jay fresh, um, Jay fresh, (laughs) man, what kind of leaf homers. And I know Jay fresh is a Pittsburgh fan, but man, like, can we put the analytics away a little bit and actually watch other hockey than the, you know, the Pittsburgh Penguins or even the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, but my God, man, um, you can't trust the Leafs. They haven't proven anything since 2004. They haven't won a cup since 67. They have probably the best overall player in the league right now outside of McDavid and everything. And it still doesn't matter. Um, you know, to me, I still find their defense suspect, um, their goaltending, it's been good this year. Jack Campbell, um, you know, I, I think he was drafted by Dallas um, mm-hmm. a little while ago. He's been solid. But to me, an overall, the overall uh, depth of, um, you know, the Bolts and their two t- Stanley Cup wins in Vasilevsky, I think that's just a little bit too much to come by. I have the Bolts winning in seven. And the caveat to this is, is that I think the Leafs are going to be up 3-2 in the series and they're going to blow it. And Dom and Jay Fresh are going to have a meltdown because I'm going to get closer to the camera. Matthews isn't going to win the Hart Trophy. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> All right. That, I, I, Jacob, try your best no, to top that. Hard, hard to follow that. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm going to go lightning in seven um, because, why wouldn't the Maple Leafs lose in game seven? It's the Maple Leafs. They're going to lose in game seven um, at home. This is what they do. Um, it, 
all jokes aside, we're Panthers, we're Panthers fans here. So we don't, we don't have like a, that much of a high ground to stand on, but honestly, it, they're playing Tampa, Tampa's experience. They've got all the firepower in the world. Beth Lesky's going to turn his game on. Uh, we, we've seen this story before and we've seen uh, Toronto blow it against teams that are less talented than this Tampa team. So I'm giving it to Tampa in seven. Um, but this is, this is just, this is the blueprint. Um, the, the Maple Leafs jump out to an early lead. They get everybody excited, have an explosive game one, all the firepower, all their, all their stars are hitting on all cylinders. By game seven, it's going to be Tampa. They're going to disappoint Toronto and it's going to be a game where Toronto is in it all the way till the third period. It's going to be close. And then Tampa is going to blow it open in the third and leave the entire, the entire nation of Canada stunned uh, because that's just how this goes. Um, so, and another thing, uh, if we do happen to make it to the second round, there's not an opponent I want to see more than, than the Tampa Bay Lightning, because I think if you get them in the second round and overcome that, that, that giant in your path as the Panthers, I might cry. There's, yeah, there's nothing that's going to stop them at that point. It's going to be like the Capitals beating the Penguins. Uh, it, we just we have mm-hmm. to beat Tampa. We have to beat I Tampa. Exercise to those to, demons. I, yep, I want. Exactly. I I want a battle, Florida. I want that again. Can you imagine a second? Be... Can you imagine a second round that that features Battle of Florida and a Battle of Alberta? Th- those are both possible scenarios where you could have both of those rivalries in the. Oh my God, that's hockey It'd heaven, gentlemen. It'd be incredible. That is hockey heaven at its finest. So, <laughs> and with, I can't also, I also can't wait. I know you're a Cowboys fan, Jake, mm, but I cannot, okay. I also cannot wait for uh, a Smith video comparing <laughs> the Leafs to the Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys of Canada. I, I can't wait for that video to resurface. As a, as, a, as a Cowboy fan, I promise you, I live the same life as, as Toronto fans. Um, even as a Miami Hurricanes football fan, it's the same thing. Always have promise. Um, <laughs> everyone will hype us up and uh, the Cowboys, the Cowboys year and then first round exit. And I don't know why I ever put my Dak Prescott jersey on. So <laughs> yep. if I have to if I have to suffer that way, the Leafs fans are going to continue to suffer that way. Mm-hmm. And it's going to continue this year. I mean, at least the Cowboys drought isn't as big as the Maple Leafs drought. So, I mean, 1995, I think it was for the Cowboys, their last one. Yeah, 95. Here's here's the thing. With the Leafs and the Cowboys, I wasn't alive for either of their last championships. So, that that time gap doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> <laughs> as long as from the time you're alive, that's what matters. Yep, never seen one. So, I... <laughs> so fair enough, fair enough. All right. To top it all off. I gave, I gave my predictions yesterday on Locked On Panthers when I did my crossover with Dan Homie of Locked On Capitals. But I'm going to repeat it again. Panthers win this one in six. Um, I think they'll lose one early. But I think they'll get one back in Washington. Win game five and six. Five at home. Excuse me. Five at, um, five at home. Six on the road. Um, Washington are not, not an easy place to play. The weirdest goal horn in the NHL, in my opinion. Um, so Iron. but yeah, it's, it's, it's the weirdest one. It doesn't sound like a real goal horn, but, um, I'm going to say the Florida Panthers get one, um, get one on the road in the three, four, and then win game six and avoid a game seven back in sunrise. And then go in a little bit rested while the Tampa Bay Toronto series may, may, might maybe go the distance. Um, we'll start with Jacob on this one. 
Yeah, so um, my five-year-old self would probably kill me for saying this because I'm originally from D.C. I was a Capitals fan until I was about eight years old. So um, that's when I moved to Florida and picked up the Panthers. So this is a, an internal struggle happening here. Um, you can actually mm -hmm. check out my Twitter for anyone anyone watching this. You can see a, a great picture of me with a, a giant head and a Yarmir Yager jersey on when I was two years old. So um, <laughs> definitely worth, check, worth checking out. But uh, I, I'm going to say Panthers get this done in six. Um, I think the the national media saying we're going to do it in five is just I mean, a little bit wishful thinking. I think we do this in six games. Uh, I think we win both of our, our two home games to start the series. I think we lose game three in Washington, but win game four. Um, and I think we fail to close it out at home in game five, um, which is, of course, I'm going to panic when that happens. I'm saying it right now. I'm going to lose my mind because we're going to uh, I'm going to freak out. Um, and I think everyone else will because we're all going to think this guy is falling. Um, but I think we close it out in game six in Washington. Um, the Panthers just have too much, too much firepower, too much speed, too much youth. Um, I don't think, I don't see any line where the Capitals actually have a better line than we do in, in a comparable matchup. So, and I think we have the advantage in goaltending as well. So I'm going to give it to the Panthers in six. Um, I think Ovechkin carries them to one win. And I think Bob uh, coughs one up as well. So I'm going to give us, I'm going to give us the win in six. Job Bouchergrass. <laughs> the only ESPN analyst that didn't pick the Florida Panthers, and yet you picked them at the beginning of the year. What's going on, man? Is the chicken parm not tasting right to you, sir? Oh. That's a question I have for you. So, I do have uh, the Leafs just won a 5 nothing. Oh, and boy. the Hurricanes are winning 5-1. Sorry to kind of cut off my prediction, but, okay, those games are over. Uh Back to uh, Florida's prediction. Um, I do also have them winning in six, uh, despite John Bruchagross's, uh <laughs> prediction. But I, I do think it's going to come down to goaltending. And as Jacob did say, I do think we are going to get a Bob game uh, where just unfortunately he's going to have an off night and uh, Alex Ovechkin is going to make him pay for it. But um, I'm really undecided about what games they're going to lose. I honestly don't know if they're going to lose uh, one of the games at home. I could see them honestly losing both road games, uh, considering how they started the season going up and down. But um, I think what will happen is we'll come back home. Uh, they'll take a 3-2 lead, and then they'll figure it out that, hey, we got to close it out now, and they'll win in game six um, in Washington. So all of us get, say Panthers in six. I mean, the national media – I've seen them sprinkle sprinkle a little bit more love on the Panthers. Maybe they might be overconfident of the Panthers, but maybe we as Panther fans might feel, okay, this team needs a little bit of adversity, not to get too cocky as far as as far as picking this team. Some have even thought of a sweep, and I'm like, uh, I'm not I'm not ready to go there uh, with, with with a sweep. I mean, you have a Stanley Cup champion on the other side of an experienced group too. So I'm not ready to be like super overly ambitious, but man, if, if this, if this, if this isn't, if this is an early game, early series, if it ends in five, wow, what a momentum swing that would carry over yeah. to the next round, regardless of whether it's Tampa or, uh, or Toronto. Um, any final thoughts guys, before we close this out? Yeah, I got, um, just, I got I got I got something for both of you guys actually. Uh Armando, um I know you're a big big Heat fan right along with me. Um Heater up 15 with 2 minutes left. Can I get your series prediction for that series, sir? Oh, um 
Heat in five. No Joel Heat Embiid. Five. Uh, no Joel Embiid. So uh, he'll he might return later in the series, but he's not going to play any of the games in Miami. Um, more than likely. And um, I think they'll get him back later in the series, and then he'll get one because Joel Embiid's that good. Um, I don't know if they've announced MVP in the NBA yet, but I think he's the MVP. I'm going Heat in five as well. I think I think we have the the blueprint. I think we can shut down James Harden the way we shut down Trey Young. I'm going Heat in five. Um, but yeah, Embiid coming back. We'll see what he looks like when that happens. He'll obviously be wearing a face mask. Those are hard to play with. And he also has torn ligaments in his thumb, in addition to a fractured eye socket. So uh, the dude's made of glass. Uh, it, it's Oof. unfortunate. <laughs> what do you guys? And I don't trust next? James Harden. I don't. Not at all. So I, I'm not a Heat fan. I'm from Chicago, so uh, I live, live and die by the Bulls. But um, I, I will give props to Heat culture. Um, I do think this is going to be a sweep. I don't think the Nets really hold a candle to you guys this season. I know Embiid is the only. Uh, I guess obstacle you guys got to get past. Um, I think Harden is old man now. He he's forced his way off of two teams he's that he should have probably stayed on. I, who isn't these days after COVID? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, dang. So I honestly think the Heat are gonna sweep them, and uh, they're gonna have a nice rest before they go to the Eastern Conference Finals against uh, uh, the Bucks. The Bucks. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. All right. I hope it's the Celtics. Um, for 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 the Heat because of that past uh, series uh, during the LeBron years, but guys, it's been fun. Uh, we're at an hour and twenty minutes of this roundtable. It's a great way. Couldn't and I and I don't even mind. This is a pre postseason edition of the show. Like getting prepared. I'm ready. You guys are ready, and more importantly, everyone listening to this in the South Florida region. I hope you're ready as well. If you want to follow Jacob on Twitter, you can follow him at Jacob Winans 8 And you can also follow Nick Fairbanks at Prudentia Zero. And you'll see Jacob on Wednesday, Wednesday's edition of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast. And Nick will be here on Fridays. And we'll have some guests from um, here and there throughout the playoffs um, as we go. And we're going to have weekend episodes throughout the playoffs as well. So watch out for those weekend episodes. You, you might be hearing other voices that you have heard before. But you might be listening to some new one, new voices here on the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast. So, Florida Panther fans, enjoy this. And more importantly, let's make some memories. And in the meantime, if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the podcast. You'll be notified every single time the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast jumps into your podcast feed. Don't forget to also follow the national show Lockdown NHL and the Crosscheck NHL show with Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. We'll be covering all the postseason activities around the National Hockey League. So I'm Armando Velez, signing off. And you've been listening to Lockdown Florida Panthers Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Where's your team? Every day.